Coming up on Podcast 1886, Tesla's Model 3 refresh looks like it gets closer. We'll talk about paying for electricity by the kilowatt hour, not by the time, and the MG4 made in Europe. Well, thank you to a couple of amazing Patreon supporters. The first one is someone who's become a friend over the last few years, hung out with him as well at Fully Charged, and these days is uh, no longer running his own EV business. He's doing something else in the EV industry. For a long time, he supported this podcast through his business, but uh, said, hey, for August, I want to up my support and just, you know, for a month, uh, help help you out, and I really appreciate that, is Jan. Now, Jan Torre Yubi, I think is how I say his name, and even in person, I said, do I get your name right? And he said, nah, don't worry, it's, it's difficult for the English to say that particular <laughs> Norwegian name. Anyway, Jan, I'm so sorry. Um, thank Thank you very much for being a partner of the podcast, even if just for a month. It, it makes a huge difference. Thank you so much. And hello to a new Patreon producer, David Larder. Thank you, David. You are a legend, along with everybody else who supports uh, this show and hopefully get some value out of it and the work that I do and, and bringing you all of the EV News each day in a short package. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for the weekend, Sunday 6th of August. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. Okay little mop-up from yesterday's Fisker news, and Fisker is eyeing Tesla connector integration. During the earnings call, uh, Dr. Gita Gupta-Fisker, the CFO and COO, provided updates on them adopting the NAX connector. They've already partnered with ChargePoint in North America and Allego here in Europe to offer their charging coverage. But it makes sense for any EV maker to go with NACS in North America because it opens up another 10,000-plus chargers that your customers can use. Europe's uniform charging standard has streamlined infrastructure development over here. It'll be CCS2. I know lots of people say, well, when are you going to get NACs and um, the Tesla connector? Well, we won't. I mean, we won't here. Uh, uh, and, it, and if we do, then I'll be massively surprised. Uh, whereas in the US, it makes perfect sense to go with that. The company revealed they have a fully drawn up agreement with Tesla. They're waiting for a signature from Tesla. That's interesting, isn't it? To uh, put the Nax connector on the side of future Fiskers, offer offer an adapter as well, which will be supplied by Tesla, we believe, and uh, then resold through the various car companies uh, to use their network. They said on the earnings call uh, that they also would like to work closer with Tesla in a possible collaboration. And then what that means, nobody knows, but I thought it was interesting. Right, Tesla is gearing up to switch production to a revised version of the Model 3. Highland version, current Model 3 at Shanghai Gigafactory is expected to cease in just over a week's time. August 14th, very specific date, which is why I paid attention to it. The first examples of the new version are in test production already. Full-scale production of the Model 3 in China will commence in September, according to this Twitter report. Now, this is Chris Zheng, who revealed it on Twitter. So again, single source, single report make of that what you will, saying that the Giga Shanghai factory has started production already of the New Highland version. This Twitter report suggested the factory will alternate between producing the new version and the old one, two days for each. Huh. How does Tesla alternate that? Why would they alternate it? Let's think it through. So that means that the new Highland Model 3 isn't wildly different from the old one because they are using the same equipment. If, 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 if this is true, the same equipment to make both vehicles. Uh, that means they would learn about making the new one while still making the old one at scale. So maybe you'd make 
you know, a thousand of uh, whatever the daily production is. It's seven hundred and fifty a thousand a year, isn't it, at uh, uh, at that place? But maybe you'd make however many thousand of the old one because you know how to do it, and then a lot less of the newer one for two days while you're learning, rather than doing a wholesale like, oh, we're in a big slump in production because we've moved over to the new one. I don't know enough about car production to know why would you do that if it's true. A big delay in delivery dates for Model 3 in Europe have been noted, signalling the changeover to the new version. New orders might not be delivered until early next year, and they will come from uh, Shanghai. Obviously, the Berlin Gigafactory is still ramping, but so many of our cars come from Shanghai that that does signify when they push it back by months, there's a change coming. New Model 3, we think, has a new front end, new rear end, sort of Porsche Macan tail lights, much more like the Model S, by the way. So reducing the components inside, no steering wheel column, levers for turn signals, headlights, windscreen wipers. That would make sense. And so if you want a proper car, buy the outgoing Model 3 before they ruin it. Um, Speculation abound that the Chinese-produced Model 3 may include new battery cells from CATL, new chemistry, the uh, lithium manganese iron phosphate, LMFB chemistry, increasing the range but slightly decreasing charging performance. But I don't think Teslas have to worry too much about charging performance. You need to take 10% off the top of that and you're still charging your cars very quickly. We'll wait and see. Tesla's announcing a change in their supercharging in Canada. Meanwhile, now charging customers per kilowatt hour. I love doing this podcast because I genuinely learn something every day. I learn multiple things every day. I expand my knowledge. I love learning about the electric vehicle industry. And I did not know, (laughs) I did not know that my Canadian listeners were billed by the minute, which is slightly infuriating if you have a slower charging car or... You know, it's it, your car is slowing down or degrading or uh, w- whatever. You should pay for what you use. You don't pay for how long you spend in the supermarket. You pay for what you put through the till. And I didn't know that that was the case in Canada. Uh, Comes six months after Measurement Canada, the organisation allowed for charging providers of uh, level three and uh, the very fast DC fast charging to bill per kilowatt hour. Level 1 and 2 have done for some time, uh, it seems. And uh, Tesla and critics had voiced concerns that time-based billing was unjust. And I totally agree with that, by the way. Tesla are completely right. Before adopting the kilowatt-hour billing structure, EV station operators had to obtain approval from Measurement Canada to meet a list of requirements. After getting approval, Tesla's pricing switched to the new kilowatt-hour billing across Canada, the permanent billing system previously in place, had four tiers, with the prices rising according to the speed of which the charger was operating, either below 60 kilowatt hours and then in windows to above 180 kilowatts. Uh, sorry, kilowatts, not kilowatt hours, goodness. Um, uh, Canada has 1,500 superchargers and, at the minute, uh, available, I think, all to Tesla drivers. I'm not sure that any of the uh, kind of magic docks or opening it up has happened in Canada yet. Let's move on and let's talk about Europe gearing up to build the MG4. A revelation, this vehicle. SAIC is the Chinese company that own it, planning to make the electric compact model in a European factory, but still to determine the location. So that tells me it's a long way off, a couple of years off. To, even at the speed of the Chinese build stuff on European soil, two to three years, you would think... And the head of MG Europe, uh, William Wang, highlighted the production in Europe would be more expensive than in China because of energy costs and labour expenses as well. But the MG4 is selling really well. UK could be a, a location, I suppose. MG's largest European market is here in the UK. SAIC also owns a R&D centre uh, near Longbridge, uh, near Birmingham in the Midlands. However... A big investment would be required. The MG4 would be the first to be built in Europe from SAIC. And 
They've got various models coming, like the X-Power. That's the 320-kilowatt, four-wheel drive, ridiculously fast supercar performance for, like, £40,000. And I can't wait to drive that. It's going to be very, very cool. The MG4's been doing really well. MG's been doing really well, with 115,000 of them sold across Europe in just the first half of the year. Now we'll talk about a car at the other end of the scale, the Cadillac Celestic EV. Pricing, it seems confirmed, $340,000 before you hit the options list. I mean, that is... Whew, that's juicy. That's Rolls-Royce territory. So you've really got to love the Cadillac brand not to buy a Rolls-Royce. And when they announced the Celestic, it was clear it would be expensive, it would be hand-built, and it would be a halo vehicle for their engineers to crack on with. And I love that. I love the fact that there's people out there that would buy that car, spend that much money, give the engineers working at that company something really lovely to work on but still i mean i don't know enough about the cadillac brand we don't get it here to say would somebody spend three hundred and forty thousand dollars on an unknown electric car from that brand we don't know any of the details about it but it doesn't really matter actually because if they say it did 300 miles 600 horsepower not to 60 in three or four seconds none of it really matters as we found recently with rolls royce unveiling um, their electric car when critics eventually surfaced and said oh it's such an expensive car i can't believe my tesla goes further um rolls royce said well we know our buyers thank you we know how far they drive and how often they drive and we know on average how many cars they have in their garage and it's a lot and by the way None of our Rolls-Royce customers care about how far their electric Rolls-Royce goes. And so the the Cadillac Celestic is almost in the same boat. It doesn't really matter what the specs are. It just has to be incredible, whether it's design incredible, tech incredible, performance incredible. It just has to be brilliant. Whether it's self-driving incredible with Ultra Cruise, it just has to be next level in some way. And who will buy it? Interesting to think about. Right, it's coming up on the podcast very soon. We'll talk about the Kia EV6 getting a bit cheaper and another hire company adding EVs to their fleet. Stick around. Those stories and more are on the way. And if you'd like to get the podcast ad-free, you can get your own RSS feed that strips out the ads and you can do that via Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash EV News Daily and support the work that I do here, saving you, hopefully, loads of time each day. A group of Manhattan elected officials are advocating for discounts on congestion pricing for electric vehicles planned to take effect next year. New York City is on track to be the first city in the United States to feature congestion pricing, charging extra tolls for vehicles heading into Manhattan's central borough as part of the Central Business District tolling program. These officials are arguing that since EVs don't contribute to smog and pollution in the central business district, they should be eligible for discounts. The exact amount is unclear, but of clearly taking inspiration from here in London, where the congestion pricing in 2003, which was then raised again, uh, 2019 it went up, I think, uh, aims to make central London car-free in the long run, but for now, free if I drive my EV in Moving on, and Kia's EV6 is being priced the same as Hyundai's Ioniq 5, at least for leasing prices as well. The purchase price of the EV6 Wind model starts at $50,025, $3,200 more than the equivalent Hyundai Ioniq 5 SE. However, looking at the lease pricing for you, I can see here that both vehicles 
cost the same because Kia has reduced their lease prices. In California, at least, the, at least the advertised deal for the EV6, over 36 months, five grand down, 10,000 miles a year, and the Arnic 5 SE, same specs, uh, same uh, conditions, are exactly the same. 399 a month for 36 months, $400 a month. Both vehicles have the effective monthly cost of $538 and are eligible for incentives like the California Clean Vehicle Rebate, $2,000, isn't it? Uh, the same lease price might make some EV enthusiasts consider the EV6 a little bit more. Now, it's effectively cheaper or more competitive with the Hyundai Ioniq 5. And there's the $7,500 lease incentive, the loophole with the Inflation Reduction Act for EVs that are actually built outside the US. Let's move on. And Europe Car has expanded their UK electric fleet with some nice premium models. Mercedes-Benz EQA, EQC, Formatic, and EQE 300 being added to Europe Car added to Europe Car's fleet. These high-end electric vehicles available for business customers, private customers as well, short-term hire and long-term rental. Europe Car's expansion aligns with their own One Sustainable Fleet program, targeting 20% of their vehicles to be less than 50 grams per kilometre emissions by the end of next year. Mark Newbury is their UK commercial director, emphasising to aid the transition to EVs. They will offer certified electric vehicle experts and comprehensive vehicle handovers to help people new to EV navigate their way. Moving on, and the United States' biggest EV charging facility could be near Sacramento Airport. I'm always wary of stories like this, press releases like this, because when it says biggest, what do you mean? Like per acreage? Do you mean the grid connection? Do you mean how many physical charging plugs? But either way, they claim the biggest EV charging facility. Uh, the charging company installing them, Watt EV, has revealed plans to install those in San Sacra- Sacra- near, not in, Sacramento International Airport. Opening late 2025, $34 million federal grant from the California uh, Transportation Commission to install 120 chargers, 30 fast chargers for passenger vehicles, 90 high-power chargers for commercial vehicles. The site chosen for this facility is strategically placed across Interstate 5 from the airport's air freight hub, covering 100 acres of land and powered by renewable energy, 15.6 megawatts of solar power and 7.2 megawatts supplied by the grid as well. So chunky, 120 chargers there. But again, that's not I don't, think, I don't think it's the US's biggest charging facilities. I'm not, I'm, I again, I don't know what metric they're using, but uh, maybe it is on grid connection or grid supply or in the amount of 350 kilowatt chargers or something. But either way, let's move on and talk EV shipping. Over one gigawatt hours of batteries now operating in ships worldwide. That's 72% up on the previous year. Electric ferries actually have been the cornerstone so far of moving shipping to electric. That's 37% of maritime battery capacity over the last three years was on electric ferries. Norway leading the trend. 100 pure electric ferries in operation now. Market saturation is expected in the electric ferry segment. There's no reason not to, especially in Norway. Government targets will be exceeded next year already. Electric and hybrid vessels are typically built for efficiency and electric propulsion. Recent uncertainties because of the pandemic, there's the Russia invasion on Ukraine, and uh, all of these things can negatively affect things like new build contracts for uh, things like uh, shipping, as people just tend to take a pause and see where the world economy is 
heading. However, it looks like over uh, the next short term, it'll be ferries that go electric over the long term. So 20 years, electric vessel categories and uh, battery demand, again, will go through the roof as chemistries improve technology improves and we see more particularly at the beginning hybrid cargo vessels as well so zero emission regulations often coming closer to countries but perhaps burning stuff when you are further away and air quality might not be an issue say further away further off from you know the docks and population centers and things like that probably link to that story in the show notes if you'd like to find out more And this story's been kicking around all week. I first saw it on a website ages ago called darkreading.com. And I thought, that's kind of interesting. I didn't report on it at the time. And then one of the EV blogs picked up on it, and then another EV blog, another EV blog, and then, you know, the the big news jet, general news sites picked up on it. So I thought, oh, I'll mention it then. It's it's interesting. It doesn't really affect you. Uh, Tesla is proving vulnerable to ingenious jailbreaks over the years. And here's another one that you and I can't do, but it's technically possible. A jailbreak on Teslas that will would allow you to unlock paid features for free, uh, like enhanced acceleration, heated seats, premium connectivity. Academic researchers discovered it's possible to effectively break into the Tesla network where they authenticate the cars, uh, advanced modifications, like uh, geolocation restrictions can get broken and you can transfer your user profile and all those kind of things uh, through this jailbreak. You can use technology that otherwise you wouldn't be able to use. Uh, The team of doctoral students uh, said they will present their findings at the Black Hat USA session. It involves physical access to a vehicle, to the connectivity board, to the ECU. It's called uh, like voltage glitching, I think, and... You can, or voltage injection, possible to subvert the MCU's processor made by AMD. Uh, costs about £100 to get the hardware to do this. But like I said, not, not a thing that you or I could do. The effective fault injection, if you like, gives access, uh, which would then enable to changes to the, uh, um, the Linux system. So every time it rebooted, they'd be they'd still be there and you could do things like yeah turn on the rear heated seats which are locked out if you haven't paid for them or other things as well what it could do is it could mean that the hardware that if yours breaks out of warranty that is a couple of grand or three grand from tesla official if you could buy one of those from a scrapyard or used on ebay for a couple of hundred dollars well it would it would mean you could effectively sort of break into that and use it in your your vehicle i love these little things that happen around the fringes it's not as important as the, the headlines I was seeing this week. Like, oh, Tesla's been hacked. You can turn on stuff for free. No, you you and I can't, but I guess it's technically possible. And they'll probably find a fix for it, I imagine. I don't know. But it's interesting. And if it means that, you know, some garages or whatever at some point would have a technology to be more of a second-hand used market around that, then it's great because we shouldn't have everything locked down. In the, anyway, moving on. The average range of EVs has tripled over the last decade. A decade ago, the average EV could do 73 miles per charge. Now it's 223 miles, in case you were wondering. Average cost of an EV, 11 years ago, $36,000. Now $55,000 in the United States. Despite the price increase, uh, EVs are now more affordable than ever, with more than 200 miles of range for $140,000. And that has been a huge shift that we've seen. Link to that story in the show notes. And finally, I thought a bit of a weekend long read. 
I found it interesting. Uh, the Guardian have published an article about the culture war around EVs. And I'll bring this to you and I'll give you my thoughts at the end of it. Diesel truck owners have been rolling coal for a long time now, emitting black smoke. You can even modify your vehicles. One company fined a million dollars recently for selling vehicles that enable it uh, illegally. Uh, the shift from fossil fuels to EVs is creating tension. And I see this online and I don't join in with it, but I do see it myself. Concerns over the cost of upgrading your vehicle, about job losses, about range anxiety, about where I charge, about China emerging as an EV leader, about how we pay for road transport taxing. But look, Transport itself, on average, is about 15% of global carbon emissions. There's a huge amount of work to do. It's not just, let's drive electric cars and then the planet is fine. But we do need to move to electric transport. It's essential to improve air quality on the short term. So where you stand on the global warming debate from, you know, a climate scientist, I'd love to know a climate scientist, uh, to one of these, you know, deniers that I see online and where wherever you are on the, the, the scale then even if you don't believe in climate change, it can make the air quality better for the people who are dying from airborne pollution. And why wouldn't you do that? Like, what kind of horrible person do you... Oh, I, I prefer combustion because I don't like electric. Oh, that's nice for you, but it's killing people. So can we stop doing it? Yeah, lovely. Uh, politicians and media create division sometimes and portray a divide between wealthy EV owners and the working class. And um, electric cars' simpler design is changing the automotive industry, leading to job losses as well. So it's a whole article that goes through all the cultural wars around it. Look, One of the things happening here in the UK is uh, we have a government who will probably be kicked out of power very soon. It's the last dying days. We've had prime ministers that tanked the economy. One lady lasted about five minutes um, and, you know, destroyed so much of our economy that's being recovered from now and killed uh, kind of mortgages and things like that. We've had obviously a previous guy was there for a while, but he got caught doing naughty things during COVID. The current guy is a... Uh, worth billions and doesn't really, I think, have anything to offer. But um, And then you might say, what's the opposition got to offer? And I'd probably agree. So many politicians are just uh, frustrating, aren't they? But um, either way, we're going to have a change of government, I imagine, because the the current lot are just terrible. And they've realised that. And now they're thinking, what can we say to possibly cling on to power? And they've decided that one of the vote winners is going to be on the side of combustion. So um, this government was previously very green, and now they've said, oh, maybe we won't go electric cars by 2030. The industry, so the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders, uh, the trade bodies, uh, the industry bodies have all said, no, no, 2030 is good. We've, you told us that years ago. We've made our investments. We've cut our cloth accordingly. Let's go for it. And But the government are still saying, oh, well, no, because you know real people drive you know, elect, uh, combustion cars, and so maybe we will ban... Um, Electric cars, and it's like, oh, come on, um, it's ridiculous. And I know that there are amazing people doing amazing things to fight that. And you know, Robert Llewellyn is amazing at fully charged. I see him online all the time, very angry, very worked up, and he's doing that fight. And I couldn't do that. Um, I'm past the fight now. <laughs> he says, having done this for five minutes compared to Robert, but um, and that's amazing. I wish I had that energy because I can see the way it's going, and I know that in the long term, by the time I shuffle away and you know uh, depart, hopefully. Uh, later rather than sooner, but I can see the way it's going, and and we will move to uh, electric combustion, to other technologies, and we st- we'll just stop burning stuff. It's it's the near term fight, and I'm not 
involved in that fight. I'm not interested in having a fight with anyone um, or a culture war. And so if you want to carry on driving a petrol or a diesel car, then I think you should. And if you want to drive electric, I think you should. I think we should still be friends. But um, there is an increasing, I've seen, have you seen it? An increasing kind of culture war divide happening last few months, last year or so. I don't like it. So I don't really go anywhere near it. I see it online, on Twitter, on whatever that's called now, and, uh, you know, social media. I don't, I don't join in with it because... Uh, there are no winners when you start having an argument with idiots on the internet right thank you very much to everyone who answered my question recently where do you listen to the podcast I'd love to know Uh, Jeff Holinsky said I listen on my way to work in Melbourne Australia and it's weird because I hear you talk about Swindon getting V4 superchargers but we're coming home in September for 10 days and we'd like to hire an EV somewhere around Oxford do you know anywhere I don't but dear listener hive mind of the podcast anywhere that Jeff can hire an, uh, an EV in that kind of Oxfordy, M4E, Swindony area. Let me know. And Peter Birdkurt says, I'm listening to the podcast in my daily car commute in a Kia E Nero EV. Changed my job a year ago and I have a longer commute. Well, thank you very much for letting me know where you listen. I'm always curious. Thanks to everyone who supports the show. Our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Ireland YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Thanks to our partners, Richard at rsev.co.uk and his amazing YouTube channel. Yuka Kukkonen from shift2electric.com shift with a number two and electric.com Rajiv Narayan battery reports for EVs get them at recurrentauto.com and like I say for August Jan Tore Yogi and our executive producers little mention on Sunday as always thank you so much that'll be Adrian Bond Alan Shedd Alex Manahini Anders Hope Andrea Jefferson Andrew Luoma and Andy Nancaro and Lillian Cass Asir Khalid Bjorn Fuchsbeck Bill Cahoon uh, Blaine McKinney Blunderbuss Jones Brenda McCarthy and North Fork Ironworks Brian O'Leary Brian Thompson long time supporter of the podcast Bruce Bohannon Chad Lane Charles Hall Christopher Bath Colin Hennessy and Cam ZV Craig Rogers David Dysart David Finch David Larder David Moore David Partington David Prescott and DCEV Ed Cortine Eddie Regassa, Eric Hansen, Eru Cuny Nyombi, Frederick Rovic, Gary A. Hammond, Gene Rubin, George Totorolo, and Heinrich Leisner. Uh, uh, Helmet Selka, Ian Stillwaters UK, Benjamin, Ian Waddy Watkins, Ian Griffiths, Ian Sear, Jack Oakley, Jacob Kuhn, James Penfold, James Storr, and Jim Morris. John Schroeder, John Vandervoort, John, who is Beardy McBeardface at Kenty V's. John Manchak, Juan Gonzalez, Kester Sandback, Kevin Marston, Lawrence Allen, Lee Brown, Luke Cully, Marcel Warden, Nathan Gore-Brown, Nathan King, Nathaniel Friedman, Neil E. Roberts from Sussex EVs, Ohad Aston, Paul Stevenson, Pete Glass, Pete Gordon, Peter and D. Roberts, Peter Ryder, Phil Mouchet, Philip Forrester, Philip Troutman, Raymond Rowledge, Realtor Choice Photography, Rob from the RS Thinks EV channel on YouTube, Robert Grace, Roosevelt Watson, Saki Payne, Stephen Penn, Steve John, The Plug Seekers EV YouTube channel, Thomas Atias, Timothy Phillips and Tyler Voss. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.